Everywhere we go, we tell people it's not the Chris and Carol Green show. This is all about Jesus. So let's take the time right now and honor his presence. We welcome you here. We welcome you today. Nobody got up today to come to church to hear human beings talking. As I was sitting there, the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me. There's a lot of pain here today. A lot of pain. Relationship pain. Some of you are in physical pain right now. And the Holy Spirit is present right now. To do more than just ease the pain, but to get to the root of the problem. I'm tired of living in a world where there's all kinds of pharmaceutical commercials that are just simply treating symptoms. Amen. And unfortunately, many of us in the body of Christ, we've settled for symptom treatment. Yes. Instead of aligning ourselves with men and women of God like Pastor Joe, Pastor Glenn, who are about dealing with the root cause. Come on now. Amen. Because don't you know that you can be you can be anesthetized, meaning have somebody just dull the pain That's while right. your body is just totally breaking down and destroying itself. That's because right. you're not getting healed. All you're doing is just killing the pain. I mean you say, God, I don't want no more pain killers. I want no more pain. I want the medicine that's going to heal me. Healing medicine. And the healing medicine is the anointing of the Lord. The oil of God. Come on, say it. That's what I want today. See, we live in a world that just simply treats the, the uh, symptoms of our problems. And isn't it crazy how they, they advertise uh, about this great product that you can take? And then they've got to take a minute and a half, 90 seconds to describe all the side effects. Some of which the side effects they say such things as causing suicidal thoughts or that it, that it has even led to death. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody tells me that a product, a side effect is death, that means it don't work. Hallelujah. See how they, how they verbally re-engineering, they re-engineer the phrases, they spin it on us. Instead of saying this product don't work, they just say one of the side effects is that it might kill you. That means it doesn't work. Amen. <laughs> and we've gotten so accustomed to hearing the list of side effects and thinking nothing about it. That even when it comes to our relationships and in our physical bodies and the trials that we're going through, we'll have... People who are supposed to be men and women of God and they'll give us and offer us things that just simply dull the pain temporarily. They give us all of this, I call it bogus stuff and formulas. Unfortunately, the last 20, 30 years on Christian television and places like that, they tell you to do things like send in a hundred dollars and God's going to heal you. And you feel good temporarily because you're anticipating your breakthrough. And then it doesn't happen. And then we're mad at God and throwing up our fists at God. 
And nowhere in his word does he say you throw out some money and some physical healing is going to come to you because you gave somebody some money. That's nowhere in the word. You won't find it. Amen. You won't find it. Give God some money and then he'll, then he'll heal you. No, you don't pay for healings. Jesus wasn't charging nobody for no healings. Where do you see that? Just Amen. look in the Bible. You'll see where Jesus was taking up no arm. Before, before you can get in my prayer line, Jesus didn't have no $50 prayer lines, $100 prayer lines, $1,000 prayer lines. Amen. The Bible says that he would just bring the sick, the healed, the diseased, the demonized to him. And he healed them. He didn't make nobody pay for it up front. And he didn't give no temporary healings either. He didn't give no temporary uh, side of uh, 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 painkillers. He dealt with the issues. And how many of you can say that today just in your heart? God, I want you to deal with my issue today. Deal with my issue. Thank you, Lord. Deal with my issue. I really want to get to the root of it. I am not about just having you dull my pain anymore. I want it so. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. In fact, all of you that are right now in the room where there's physical healing, you're in pain right now. In fact, I saw your post about you, your tooth. You still have pain. I saw that. Come on, join me, dear. Lord, we lay our hands upon this, your daughter, for the complete healing with this tooth at the very root cause. We cancel that thought that said you will have to be in pain all the way through past the birth of your child. We silence the lie of the enemy right now. We speak to the very infections. Come out. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. Heal this your daughter. You pressed your way and came today in spite of pain. She has lifted up her sacrifice of her worship to you, Lord God. She has broken her alabaster box and worshiped you through her pain today. And we thank you now for healing her in spite of every lie of the enemy. For this couple, not just for both of y'all, for both of y'all. You are such a you are such models and demonstrations of the life of God in this community. As a husband and wife, as a mother and father, you are going against all of the what, what has been normal here. And what's been normal has been chaos and disorder and disagreement and discontentment and lack of covenant. So your warfare has been intense because you're like pioneers. You're the first of a new generation, even breaking family curses and generational curses. And so, Lord God, we stand beside this man and this woman. And we thank you, Lord God, for the impartation of strength and healing and holiness into their life, into their relationship, in their physical bodies, in their minds. Yes, Lord God, in their emotions. Thank you, Lord. You are not fighting alone. You are not fighting alone. Lord, I thank you for your angels. You have given them charge over them to keep them 
and all of their ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I just felt like praying for them specifically, but others that are you're in the room where there's physical pain in your bodies right now. Come on, just lift your hand. Be bold about it. When there's pain and you know that you need a healing, that's not an indictment upon you. So don't, you don't you just hate the devil? He attacks our bodies, then make us feel condemned because of what we're going through. Come on, just first of all, Satan, you a liar. Come on, tell him, you a liar. You a liar. I refuse. To, I'm not receiving condemnation about what I'm going through. This is an attack from you in the first place. So, Lord God, I thank you for your healing just right now. I just pray, I'm so glad you sung that sister, that song, sister, because this, this, this is the Lord's presence. He said, I am, I am. Whatever it is that you're needing today, he is. I am. You, he is my healer. He is my deliverer. Yes, Lord, he is my father. That's who he is. And this isn't just about what he'll do for you. This is who he is. Doesn't that change it? Not just what you'll do. You are my healer. Come on, just say it right now. Lord, you are my healer. You are my healer. And I receive you that way as my healer. Thank you, Lord, as my deliverer. You know, sometimes when we're going, when we got sickness in our body, we'll say this is, you know, this is uh, my arthritis. This is, this is my, come on now, come on. Stop saying that, claiming that, that sickness and say, God, you are my healer. Yeah, it's not my arthritis. You're my healer. Come on, make that personal. You're my healer. Thank you, Lord. Whatever it is, the ailment, the issue, whatever the doctor's diagnosis has been upon your life, I want you now to cross it out in your mind and say, Jehovah, my healer. Whatever's the prescription that they gave you and say, this is the problem, this is the issue, come on, right now. You just use your hand and cross it out and say, Jehovah is my healer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, come on, now, ball up the diagnosis. Come on, use your imagination and throw it away. That's not mine. It's not mine. Now receive the Lord and say, Lord, you're mine. You're my healer. Thank you, Lord. If you can, just place your hand over the part of the body that's that's where, the, where you feel the pain and say, Jehovah, my healer. If it's on your head, in the ear, on the neck, in the back, in the abdomen, on your leg, come on, place your hand. My healer, Jehovah, my healer. Where we just flow with whatever he says do in, in the moment. 
And so I feel led to, to share with you a bit of our story. We've never really done that here. We've just kind of talked off and on. And I don't know who needs to hear this today. But uh, for whatever it is that you're walking through and you're going through, we wanted to share a bit of our story. Um, we were serving in, uh, well, I'll go back. Well, okay, I'll share the parts that you want me to share. Can't tell everything, but I was, um, my mother was pregnant with me. Um, I was born in 1959. My mother was pregnant with me in July of 1959. Um, she already had um, a daughter, two sons. Um, uh, her daughter she had before my mom and dad met. And after they got married, then they had uh, uh, three children, three sons. And so the youngest of them was two, and she was pregnant with me. Uh, one was six, one was five, the other was two. She's pregnant with me. Summer of 1959, they're about to go to vacation Bible school, a sun, summer afternoon. And uh, my mom always would uh, uh, make breakfast. Breakfast could be anything like the... Uh, quick things like grapefruit, stuff like that. You know, mom's in a hurry up. She's in a hurry, cut up some food, some grapefruit for the boys, and she's getting dressed. And so the youngest suddenly got choked on the grapefruit. And instantly the house was in a panic uh, because she couldn't dislodge the what had gotten caught in his windpipe. And he actually died. So there they were, good Christian family, um, obeying, living the life. She's raising her kids in the things of God. They're getting ready to go to vacation Bible school. And suddenly the whole world is turned upside down as she loses her youngest. And she's still pregnant with me. I can't imagine mothers what it would be like to try to two months later give birth to a child and you just lost one. My mom is my hero, I tell you. I, I brag about her everywhere because that's awesome, incredible strength. Um, but part of the effect of that upon me, the unborn child in her womb, was that I was born with an overwhelming, uncontrollable, sense of loss and sadness and depression and grief. Doctors tell you that whatever the mother, whatever the mother is going through, that it does affect the unborn baby. And so I was extremely, the word is pessimistic. <laughs> All of them see my wife nodding her head because when she met me, when we, and this is years later, when she met me, at 18 years old in college, and that's how we met, was on college campus. I'm from St. Louis, and she's from Harrisburg. I was so sad. I was <coughs> melancholy. Anybody know what that word means? Yeah. Just so sad. And interestingly enough, that kind of piqued her interest in me because she wanted to know why this guy was always so sad. Uh, I didn't know that that could be a pickup. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> I was a real gentleman, but he's so sad. So, of course, that kind of piqued their curiosity as to why this guy is so sad. And so those of you, if you can think back to the 70s, because we met in 1977. In fact, we met 40 years ago. I can't believe I can say that. Amen. 
we met 40 years ago, but she meets this guy and we can have conversation and talk, but it's still intriguing her as to why my outlook and my view on life is always to expect the worst. Um, I, I look at this, to, I think about this, how God brought us together. My name is Carol, which means song of joy. He brings a song of joy into the life of a man who is very melancholy, um, very pessimistic about life. Wow, I didn't think about that. Wow, he sure did. Um, and I don't know who, who that may be the pain that you're in right now. It may be an incredible loss that it may be recent, it may be years ago, but you're still struggling to get past that because you're asking God, why? Why is it? And I can't stand here and answer that question for you, but it's a question that's often in a lot of our minds. Why is it that those of us who can be serving God and doing all the things that we were taught to do and we're supposed to do and still terrible things happen? I can tell you this much. We were all born into a fallen world. How many of you know this to be true? There are things that can affect us that has nothing to do with whether you sinned or not. If whether you messed up or not. Do you know that you could be in the wrong place at the wrong time and somebody else's bad decision affects you? That's right. Amen. Somebody else's choice affects you and me. It's the reason why, going all the way back to the 70s, when I remember when um, there were debates that were going on concerning homosexuality, and they were, and one of the big arguments of that day and time, 40 years, 45 years ago, was what goes on between two consenting adults has nothing to do with anybody else. And as many pastors and preachers argued back then, there's only a few left arguing and fighting on that issue anymore, except for people like Pastor Joe Green. <laughs> Amen. But we're not condemning anybody that's gay and all of that. But the thing is, how you do, how you live, and your choices does affect the whole population. The medical industry alone can tell you that because of the outbreak of the HIV virus into our society Amen. alone. So what goes on between two consenting adults does affect everybody, whether you're gay or straight. We have tremendous STD issues in our community. Why? Because people, everybody said, what goes on between two people don't affect nobody else. Yes, it does. It affects other people. Our choices affect other people. I saw a Facebook post this week of a little baby uh, that died uh, because when her mother took her to a, it was actually the mother, uh, the father and mother got married after their child was born. And so she's all happy. Everybody's wonderfully happy at the wedding and all these different people are kissing her baby. That same day as the wedding, the child got sick. And a few days later, that baby was dead. Because somebody that kissed that baby had hepatitis. So these parents didn't sin. They didn't do nothing wrong. Somebody else's choice affected them. 
And you say, well, why would God allow something like that to happen? Because God allows freedom of choice. God doesn't force anybody to accept him. He doesn't force anybody to live right. And so the issue of choice is what ends up causing good people to have bad experience. Yes. That issue alone. We live in a world where uh, gas runs out of our cars. Sometimes we've had your car, you know, anybody, have, have, anybody ever had gas run out the car? Ain't no need to blaming the devil. That's just the devil. No, you just didn't put no gas in the car. <laughs> that ain't the devil. <laughs> All those times the Holy Spirit kept saying, put some gas in the car. Put some gas in the car. You know, you were on your way home from work and he kept saying, put some gas in the car. Put some gas in the car. And he said, I don't feel like it. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And then something really important comes up and you run out of gas. Well, no need to blame the devil. We made a choice. We ignored the Holy Spirit when he kept saying, do this, do this. Here's another one that's really tough. Relationships. Did you know Husbands, that the way you choose to live, the decisions that you make, seriously impacts your wife's heart. Wives, did you know that the way that you talk, yeah, but he's big, he's strong, my words don't really mean all that much. Oh, yes, they do. Guys, just look straight ahead at me, but her words... <laughs> Uh, worse than okay, well, worse than the biggest gut punch in the world. You'd be like, guys, y'all ego is that fragile? Yes. Go ahead, just say guy. Come on, all the guys, just say yes. 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 Here's the way to help you understand that, ladies. Your emotions are the same thing for a man as ego. And same way he his lack of concern severely affects your emotions, your words severely affects his ego because a man's ego is not pride. The word pride and ego are not the same thing. Ego is the essence of who a man really is. And so we'll use pride to protect our ego. We use pride to protect not the same. So in relationships, we make these bad choices and we wound one another. And you think it was just a nudge. Well, all I did was nudge you. All I did was said. All I said was. All I said was. How many times have we said that? All I said was, you would look nice if you wore this. What a man hears is, oh, you don't like the way I look anymore. Perception. Uh huh. But that's not what I meant. But that's what he heard. Ouch. And vice versa. Honey, why don't you just... And she hears, Oh, I'm not pretty anymore. <laughs> well, I didn't say all that, but that's what she heard. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Here's another one. When it comes to this relationship pain. How about when you give your heart to someone? And they literally just crush it. You were trusting. You were really honestly trusting that the way you felt about them was how they felt about you. You don't have to raise your hands, but anybody ever been there? 
And we come into the house of God and we're trying to go ahead and praise and worship God, but inside we're aching and we're hurting because either I gave myself, gave my heart to someone, but it turns out that they really didn't feel the way I did about them. Why does that happen? Choices, man. Choices. Why is the Lord having us to deal with this today as part of the pain? Because he, I feel like he wants us to get to the very root. What's the real root of it? What's the real root? And that, that requires kind of stopping and asking ourselves some real honest questions. The Lord gave us this uh, uh, pact that we had to make between one another. That's part of our story. Once we did get married, and we knew each other and dated uh, uh can I call it dated three and a half years before we got married. And in the three and a half years, we did a lot of talking and um, trying to get to know one another. I'm a Southern kid born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis is a Midwest town that is basically a Southern city. Most of the African-Americans that move, that live there, our connections are totally in the South. My parents are from Tennessee grandparents from Mississippi, and most of St. Louis is like that, especially among the black population. So we are a Midwest town that is very Southern in culture. Um, the reason why that when the whole thing with Michael Brown broke out and all of that, that actually happened in the apartment complex where my wife and I lived uh, 35 years ago. Before children. Yeah, life before children. <laughs> we actually lived in that apartment complex. When they came on the news and everything, we looked in the background and was like, ah, that's our place where we used to live. And the reason why that broke out the way it did was because the police did something, did something that all Southerners recognized right away. They left their boy's body laying in the street to send the message. Very Southern. Because in the South where the lynchings and the hangings took place, the purpose of leaving that body hanging there was to send the message. Yes, it was. So the community responded the way they did. Some of you may have wondered why did they react the way they did because they did something very southern. That's right. They left the body laying in the street to send the message. So the younger people, those in their 30s and 20s, they exploded. Now all the ones 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, they were going, calm down, calm down. You know, and the younger ones were like, uh-uh, no. Now you may have been able to do that with my grandparents. But mm -mm, we ain't taking this. And so it exploded. <laughs> and so I come from that type of background. I come from, come from a family that talks a lot. We talk, man. Uh, seriously, you, you're from the South, so you know. We talk and get together and do stuff. And family reunions and all of that. Always eat barbecue and eating and eating and barbecues. And, <laughs> and we'll be there for you. There's no such thing as anybody being left on their own. Right. Just, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing. People will, family will help. They'll do whatever they can. And so, I meet this girl from Pennsylvania, from the East Coast, and her family wasn't connected and all like that. Not putting them down, but just a different culture. There wasn't this attitude of do whatever you got to do for your kids, do whatever you got to do for your mom, for your dad, for your aunt, cousins, aunts, cousins, uncles, siblings. We didn't, she didn't come from that. And so 
It took us a while as we're talking back and forth to get to know and understand each other. And even after we got married, we thought we was all set, even after we got married. Because we've been talking and communicating for three and a half years. We made sure that there were no secrets. Yeah, made okay. sure. Yeah, we sure did. We just Amen. told everything. Amen. Anybody know what? Truth. Like, before we stand up and say, I do, you're going to know everything. <laughs> uh, and so, even after we got married, and we tried to make sure we covered everything, but after you get married, the dynamics of life changes. And so even though you tried to cover all the bases, anybody ever tried to do that? I tried to cover everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you found out that after you get married, something happens. Mm -hmm. The atmosphere changes. Amen. And things that used to be cute mm -hmm. <laughs> ain't cute no more. Amen. And things that you used to overlook. Well, it's okay. It's okay. But after you get married, that smacking or the knife or the gritting teeth and you find out such things as, you know, we didn't find this out until after we got married and she, something that you never even thought about. Simple stuff like, uh, I like to sleep with the lights on or at least one light on. She liked to sleep with no lights on. I like to sleep with music playing in the background. She had to have total silence. Here's another one. Whatever you put into the refrigerator belongs to everybody. Somebody else's family, whatever put in the refrigerator, is, that, is your name on it? Did you buy it? So what makes you think that you can have some of it if you didn't buy it? Well, then it comes from, say, from my family, well, whatever you put in the refrigerator belongs to It's the family. It's everybody. So then you start having these clashes. Yeah, and these battles. And here's the other part. Whatever negative stuff that was in your family and in your background, your spouse, it starts looking like they're doing the same thing that sibling did, or that mama did, or that saying what daddy always said, or what uncle always used to do, and it starts to look like the same thing. Sounds the same. My wife used to say to me, you say some stuff that's exactly what my mom said. I'm like, how can I be your mom? <laughs> well, what's so funny is me and my mother-in-law got along really well. See that? We got along. I could get on the phone and talk to her mom for hours. Mm -hmm. And she could talk to her mom a couple of minutes. It was like pulling teeth to get words out of her. Yeah. But I could talk to her mom for hours. Isn't that bizarre? Usually it's just the opposite. The daughter can talk to her mom for hours and son-in-law get off the phone in two minutes. Yeah. Why? Because we shared, her and her mom shared, we shared a lot in common. We had a lot in common, so we could talk. But we started having these conflicts with us and being able to talk. We got to a point where we could not communicate. We found out, I put it in alphabet terms, I found out that my A wasn't the same as her A, and my B wasn't the same as her B. You can go through the whole al alphabet. My C wasn't the same as her C. And so if your letters aren't the same, then your words aren't the same. And if your words aren't the same, your sentences aren't the same. And even though you're saying English words, 
the picture that's coming in her head ain't the same picture that I got in my head. I'll give an example. If I say the word blue, some of you see a color. You see sky. Some may see water. If I say blue, some of you didn't, you didn't put that image in your head at all. Some of you thought of a mood. Sadness. So same words, but the other person, different concept. Because of upbringing, background, experience. Two different cultures. So we clashed. And if a relationship isn't founded upon the principles in the word of God, then somebody's going to start thinking about getting out of this. And you start hearing those words and thinking those thoughts, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. Don't nobody, don't nobody raise your head, but raise your hand, but you know, this ain't going to work. <laughs> ain't no money stuff. Go ahead. Then the money stuff. The priority of the money. Then you start fighting about because in my family, we always paycheck comes in and buy paycheck comes in on Friday. We go and buy food, buy stuff that we need, and by Saturday morning, we are broke. Another family's like, no, we're gonna spread this out all week long until we get to the next paycheck. Why does why you end up with a conflict? Because it can begin to feel like to one person, well, if we don't spend the money and take care of what we need to Friday, then you don't love me. That's inconsiderate. And we say things like, because that's not how I was raised. And then we attach what we call a value judgment on the spouse. We begin to question their loyalty and their love because of the decision. Wow. We may even wonder about their intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that out loud. <laughs> Why am I bringing this up? Because this is what will help us get to the root. What could, what could be at the root of it? Here's what I discovered was at the root of a lot of my conflict with my wife. Rejection. Fear of loss. Being in the womb of a woman who was in grief. Experiencing grief before I ever experienced love. So my outlook on life was always to expect things to go wrong. I heard all I knew was grief. And you let it happen. Come on, let's be honest. Come on, let's just be honest. Say, God, and you let it happen. 
Anybody ever said this to God? I don't know if I can trust you because you let it happen. Come on, let's go. Like, this is how we get to the root. And then we, because he wants us to get to the point where we identify the places where we've been angry with God. Can I say unforgiving of God? What do you mean I'm not forgiving God? Because you're still holding it against him. What he allowed you to go through. Job reached that place. I cursed the day I was ever even born. God went, oh, hey, hey, hold up. Hold up. Where were you when I formed everything? You don't start questioning your very existence and why I allow things to go the way they do. I'm not playing with you. Here's the first place to go. God's not playing with you. He's not playing a game with us. I'm so sorry for that preacher that told you God's just testing you. When the Bible speaks of the testing of our faith, he's not talking about, uh, Paul was not talking about a God who just sends tests at us to see if we can overcome. The testing of our faith is the result of when conflict comes, when things go wrong, when choice, bad choices are made, our faith is tested through circumstances and the situations of life. And yes, even the enemy comes up against us. But it's not God. We're walking alone in life and God's throwing stuff in front of us to see if we'll trip. And unfortunately, we've taught the people of God that God is testing us. But the testing of our faith is not coming from God. The Bible says when temptation comes into our life, the temptation, even temptation is not coming from God. God's not the one who does the tempting. You'll see that in James. He said temptation comes when we are drawn away by our own lust and entice. Bless the Lord. <laughs> come on, say it. Come on, take a deep breath. Bless the Lord. Here's what we learned as a part of our journey. When there have been trials, and there have been, my wife and I have owned three houses and lost two of them by foreclosure. And neither time, it wasn't our fault. Not neglect. Wasn't neglect, just not paying our bills. Anybody been unemployed? Anybody have a good job and then lost it? And lost it for so long that stuff got taken away. Repose, car repossessed, foreclosure, bankruptcy. Not because you don't pay your bills, but it's like, I can't pay nothing if I don't have a job. And then you get those labels put on you like you're lazy. Come on, raise your hand. You're just lazy. You're just trying to live off the system. Look, I went and applied for, for, for uh, government assistance, uh, food stamps, welfare, and I got turned down there. Talk about feeling low. Anybody been there? Been turned down by the folks? Really? Those are the times you look up to heaven, right? Go, God, what? What? 
I finally humbled myself enough, because remember, because in our pride we said, I'm not going, I'm not going there, because I'm not going to be in line with all the, quote, those people. I'm not going to have nobody looking at me that way. So you swallow your pride, you go ahead and apply, and then, no. Phew. I'm God, why are you telling us to tell all this on ourselves? <laughs> Talking good, sir. Help somebody. Help somebody. Again, we come into the house of God and we're under the pain and the shame of even having welfare say no. And those are the Sundays when you get to church and the preacher's talking about the blessings of the Lord pouring out on everybody. And you're like, come on, throw your hands up in the air. Give God some praise today. I worship you, almighty God. Now, come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I saying this? Because this is the real, y'all. That wasn't your choice. It wasn't out of neglect. It wasn't nothing. Wasn't anything you did. Remember when Jesus' disciples was trying to figure out the man who was born blind? Who sinned? Who sinned? And what was Jesus' answer? Neither him nor his parents. Did nobody sin? Now comes the, the best part of the answer. But I allowed this for my glory to be revealed. Anybody need the glory of God to be revealed? After we didn't talk all <laughs> I don't know why this was necessary today, but the Lord wanted us to address it. Whatever the words of condemnation that the enemy has been speaking to you, you messed up, you did this, you should have been doing more of this, you should have been praying more, fasting more. Look, we live in a fallen world and people make decisions and make choices that have nothing to do with us. And what God is so awesome about is he will still cause us to come out on top in spite of it. Amen. So we came here to encourage you today that even though it happened, don't you remember, remember those days when you're two and three and four year, five year old, something would break in the house, parents, you come in and they, you, and they would say, it happened. Who knocked the lamp off? Well, it failed. <laughs> remember those days? It failed. <laughs> it just happened and sometimes well not like with our children lying but sometimes in life it just happens stuff falls over it wasn't nobody's fault or the person whose fault it was we'll never know because we live in a life where there's a domino effect this happened and that happened and something and then you, you're five rules down on the domino and then it comes down on you a ripple effect. And it had nothing to do with your choice. And so we're questioning God and shaking our fist at God. Why did you let this happen? And he's saying to us, all things are working for your good. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And here's another reason why stuff can happen. Just because you obey in God. Doesn't like it when we're obedient. We're, we are soldiers. We are in an army, and sometimes we forget. <laughs> Go about life. It's easy. 
You go about your daily business. You get caught up in life. You forget. We are soldiers. And we have an enemy who hates us. Wants to see us dead. Another thing that we dealt with, there were times when we would wake up with an attitude. <laughs> I just, just something about you just just irritating me today. Come on, come on, say yes, Lord. Come on, come on. All over the room, just say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just woke up with an attitude. Just it got it, we uh, uh, started. There were there was a time when we started fussing at each other. We were, and we stopped in the middle yeah, of it and just stop. said, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! What are we fighting for? <laughs> what is this about? I'm serious. What are we really?" fussing about. Then we go, wait a minute, Satan, get out. Get out of this conversation right now. That's just between a husband and wife. You can do that between brothers and sisters right here in the house of God. Ain't it crazy how quickly misunderstanding creeps up? You can do something as simple as first lady can just simply ask someone, could you go and get that water for me? And between those words leaving her mouth and getting to your ear, you hear an attitude on it. And you go, why she say it to me like that? <laughs> that ain't what she meant. That ain't what came out of her mouth. That wasn't even in her spirit. And let me put it on the other side. It wasn't you. It wasn't in your spirit. But in the air, the enemy puts ice on it. Puts a little salt on it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, you feeling salty. It wasn't her, and it wasn't you. It was the enemy. Jesus gives a parable about the field that was uh, wheat that was being sold, and then overnight, the enemy came in and sold some tares. And the word of the Lord says, the workers asked the owner, you know, uh, didn't we sow wheat in this field? He said, "Yeah." He said, "What? Where, where do we get all these tares from?" And the and the answer was, "The enemy has done this. The enemy sold it. You didn't. Nobody did. Wrong. I don't know why I need to keep saying this to you guys. It wasn't something that you did. We have an enemy, and he comes in and sows in tares." And makes it look like that either somebody was neglectful, somebody's not trustworthy. He loves trying to put that kind of stuff in the house of God. Must be Pastor Joe. He was supposed to, he was supposed to. When you hear those words coming to your heart about your pastor, then you know that's the enemy. Amen. Pastor and first lady was supposed to. Mm -mm. Come on, reject it right now. Even the ones from the past, just I reject Amen. that. Ain't got nothing to do with what the pastor was supposed to. They weren't supposed to come at me like that. They weren't supposed to say it like that. Nope, nope, come on. Let's put the blame where it's supposed to be. The enemy has sold tears. And in my relationship, in my household, between me and my spouse, between me and my brother or sister, between me and my mom or my mom and dad, the enemy comes in and he sows these tears, these weeds. 
So right now, in this very moment, just say, Lord, I receive you. I hear your word. I receive your word. We reject the thoughts of the enemy, the plans of the enemy, the intentions of the enemy. I reject it. We do not receive it. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. The enemy likes to take advantage of, our, of our weaknesses, of the places where we are broken. He, he directs his, his attacks at our fears, yeah. at our insecurities, um, at, in the places where we feel we lack. He, he targets those areas and uses them against us and causes us to use them against one another. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So in every place where I'm weak, come on, let's just be honest. Lord, you know the places where I'm weak and where I'm broken. And we do not give place to the enemy, not another day. Thank you, Lord. And here's the incredible way that the Lord tells us to deal with the places where we're weak and broken. The word of the Lord says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. And I understand that that word false has two meanings. Most of us are familiar with this aspect of the word fault, and that is the thing that I did wrong. But the other side of the word fault is the place where I'm broken. So I'll give you a practical example, because it's coming, again, coming out of our life. So I get a bad attitude with my wife, and I snap at her when she starts asking me about uh, the money and the bills and the things we need to take care of and there's some things she needs and things that the house needs and so I get mad. Then I come back a few hours later and then I confess my fault. Now most of us think the confessing of the fault is to simply say, I apologize for yelling at you when you asked me about the bills. That's one side. Now comes the other side. Because every time we've got money problems, the pressure that I feel on me, I cave in. It wasn't even about you asking about the bills. I hate the pressure of bills. That's a weak place for me. See the difference? It's more than just, I'm sorry for yelling, but now confess. The why. The why. Some of you are like that. When it comes to bills, you just cave in. The pressure of financial pressure, you cave in. You'll snap out so quick. If somebody asks you, it's like your kids come and say, Mom, can I have a dollar? You'd be like, get out of my face. Well, you weren't yelling at your child about the dollar. It's the fact that you're tired of never having enough. Oh, I feel God's presence. I'm tired of never having enough. So I didn't mean to snap out on my child. It's just that my weak place, when it comes to not having enough, because I grew up never having enough. Anybody been there? And so I promised myself that by the time I got a good job and was on my own, that I was not going to be in the same position as my parents. And now here I am having to say the same thing to my child that my parents said to me. And that is that we don't have it. And I'm tired of living that way. See, that's confessing my fault. And why? Because now I'm at the root of it. Now I'm at the root of it. And when you say that to your spouse or to your brother or sister, pray with me. 
Now pray for me. Don't make it an unspoken prayer request. Get to the root. Why? Because we want to be healed. Amen. Remember what we said? I don't want no more treat my symptom. I want this pain healed. I want the pain of lack healed. I want the pain of frustration healed. I want God to be able to identify. Because when you start confessing like that, then it gives the Holy Spirit the room to begin to show us other areas in our lives where sometimes I cave in and I give up. It's not just the giving up. It's the reason why. And so we're saying, Lord, show me the real reason why. And I'm going to confess to my wife the real reason why. I'm going to confess to my husband the real reason why. I'll tell my sister, my brother. I'll even tell my kids. I can't tell you how many times we've had to apologize to our kids. Do you hear me, parents? Well, if I apologize to my children, that's going to make them feel like they got the authority. No, I won't. No, I won't. Your kids will love you more than ever. And have, more respect. and have more respect for you. Hallelujah. We hear that a lot. Kids are so disrespectful today. Well, part of the reason, part of the reason is just the old childish foolishness that needs to be beat out. But the other side, <laughs> but the other side is parents who never apologize when they are wrong. We ask our sons, and all of them are grown now, all of them love God. Uh, we're going to be going to Canada Wednesday to visit our grandbaby for the first time. Where our son lives in Canada uh, with his wife and our granddaughter, Robin. We got another son that lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Married for a couple of years now. Beautiful, beautiful girl. And our middle son lives in York. He graduated with a degree in media arts and animation. And he's pursuing uh, the things of God for his life. So and we ask our sons... Um, Got them all together and I said, what did we do right? Because we can't figure this out. You know, you guys have really gone on. You're doing well. You're successful. So what did we do right as parents? Because we've seen so many, especially black young men, go off growing up in the house of God. But as soon as they turn 18, 19 and can get out, they went off. So we're like, so what did we do right that you guys didn't do that? Honestly asking them, and they said uh, two things. You listen to us. Three things. You listen to us. You never talk down to us. You're never condescending. And the third was, and you apologize when you were wrong. Mm -hmm. I want you to hear that, parents. You listen to us. You never talk down to us. And you apologized when you were wrong. Which made them respect their mom and dad when commands and orders came. So apologize for those times when you gave them a whipping and it turned out that they was telling the truth. You don't say, well, that was for the times that you was lying to me. No, no, no. Don't do that. Just say, I'm sorry. Son, daughter, you're, I shouldn't have given you that. I shouldn't have punished you. But like they say, that's my bad. That was on me. I'm sorry. I should have believed you. You may even need to start all over again. 
when you get home today and say, look, there are things that I really have not done right and, and name them. Because our children don't go by that, you know, the, well, there are some things that I may have not said or done. So you want to be specific, because you remember. And they do too. Be specific. You remember that time when I did such and such? Remember that time when I said such and such? Well, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Can we start again? It's okay to say that to your children, because we have. Can we start again? I'm sorry. Why? Because you're building and setting the example for them as the way they should go. The Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. The training is not just making them come to church and do what we do in this room. Set the example. Set the example. So when you apologize to your child, you're training them in the way they should go. Because what are they going to need to do? When you raise your children, you're going to have to apologize sometimes, too. Amen. You're going to have to learn to listen, too. You're going to have to learn how to not talk down to them, too. The way I'm trying to learn, too. Wow. Bless the Lord. So remember this. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, God, for getting to the root. We confess to you, even as the Holy Spirit speaks to you right now in this moment, the real broken place, the places where you're hurting. Would you first confess it to the Lord right now in this moment before you even say anything to another human being? Confess it to the Lord. Yes, he already knows it, but he still tells us to confess. There are certain things he just wants us to be open and honest about. Lord, I'm broken here. I've been irritated. I've been frustrated. I've been discouraged. Some of you, the real issue is just discouragement. You're so discouraged. Some of you have been like me. Just, you grew up with such grief and sorrow and pessimism. It, it, it has become lodged in your heart. And you see life from a defeated standpoint. Just confess it to the Lord. Lord, I want to be healed. I want this resolved. I don't want to make decisions out of pain. <laughs> I don't want to make decisions and choices out of hurt and out of discouragement. I want to live my life from a place of healed, of being healed on the inside. Thank you, Lord. Some of you, you may need to say this, Lord, I even release you. <laughs> I know that sounds strange, but it's true. Lord, I forgive you. You didn't do anything wrong, but I've been holding an awe against you because of the way my life is gone. I've been asking you, why did you let me be born in this family? Say it to the Lord. Yeah, I've been asking God, why in this house with these crazy people? Why I have to be born in this house with these people? Come on, let it go. God, I accept your will, your purpose, your plan for my life. Some of you are the I'm gonna say you are the different one in your family because of what God wants to do through you. Amen. 
That's why you're the different one. You're the Joseph in your family. You know the story of Joseph. Even though he went through horrible things, his brother sold him into slavery. Potiphar's uh, wife lied on him. His fellow prison mate forgot about it. He could have got out early and the guy forgot about it. Some of you, you've been in that place. You've been betrayed, you've been lied on, and you've been forgotten about. And so you've been angry with God for allowing you to go through all of that. And you've been angry with God for being the Joseph in the family. <laughs> but God's got a place for you that will he will use you to bring deliverance to your whole household. That's what happened with Joseph. He got promoted to second in command in Egypt and God used him to save his whole family. So the same folks who dogged you, the same folks who sold you out, God's going to use you. He's going to use you to save them, to preserve them. But he's working all of that pride out of you. He's working that anger out of you. He's working the hurt out of you. He's working resentment out of you. So that when he places you in that position, that you won't abandon them. You won't treat them the way they treated you. Nothing is worse than a vengeful, vindictive family member who has the ability to help them and won't. Some of you have been victims of that too, uh, also. There are family members that could have helped you and they didn't. And it's because they didn't learn the lesson that God is teaching you right now. So just determine right now, I'm not going to be like that. Come on, I'm not going to be like that. Thank you, Lord. So forgive, forgive your brothers and sisters who sold you out. Thank you, Lord. Forgive them. Right now in this moment, call their names out under your breath. Just, yeah, name them. <laughs> call them by name. I release them. I release her. Yes, Lord. I forgive mom. I forgive dad. Dad, you should have been in my life. You were supposed to be. But dad, I forgive you. I forgive pastor. I forgive sister so-and-so. I forgive brother so-and-so. I forgive them. I release them. I let them go so that I can be healed. Thank you, Lord. There's so much healing in this room taking place right now. we're not trying to appeal to your emotions because this is a choice you may not feel anything but this is a choice I choose to let them know I will live in freedom I will live in victory I am an overcomer thank you Lord in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Lord come on give the Lord a hand to bless the Lord